Gaming is an adventure. You can delve into the deepest sea or soar above the highest mountain. You can become the hero, slay dragons, or rule entire civilizations. You can do this all alone or with the fellowship of the best companions. So what do you say? Are you ready to go on an adventure? This is the Gaming Adventure Club Podcast. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Gaming Adventure Club Podcast. I am your host, Manny G, and joining me tonight is the one who needs no special award for his life-saving exploits. It's the one who can resuscitate a lifeless cat while flexing for your 2019 calendar. It's the firebreaker himself, Andy. Well, man, my uh, my flexing pose isn't quite what it used to be, but... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, Man, but you if, could still save lives. Though. Dude, That's I'm rocking. Part. I'm rocking the dad bod these days, bro. All right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Well, Andy, we are not alone. We are joined by the Joe, the Meaden, the one and only Joe Meaden. What's up, buddy? Hey, how's it going, guys? So glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Awesome, dude. Yeah, we're glad to have you, man. We're we're really excited to have you for the first time. Yeah, it's a it's a pleasure to be here. Yes, for the first time tonight, we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. We got some new stories, and we're also going to be talking about the Game Award nominations. I'm excited, but let's jump right into some news. All aboard. All aboard. Andy, what do you got for us, man? Well, first off, oh, we forgot the the news. The First off, we've got to- I have that sound clip. Like, I could literally drop that in. We need to But we always just make it ourselves during the recording. It's more fun that way. Uh, First up, we have Command & Conquer. I think a pretty nice announcement. We have uh, an announcement by EA uh, who says, Today I'm thrilled to tell you we are going back to the beginning. We have decided to remaster Command & Conquer Tiberian Dawn. And while this is incredibly exciting- Uh, On its own, we're also aware of how passionate the community is about the Red Alert universe. So, we will also remaster the original Command & Conquer Red Alert. But what about the classic expansion packs, you may ask? Covert Ops, Counter-Strike, and Aftermath? Well, CNC and Red Alert wouldn't be the same without them. So, all three expansions will be bundled with the base games into one remastered collection without microtransactions which is music to everyone's ears i'm sure when i was in college i had a friend named jared who had a laptop and he had red alert on his laptop and uh he would come to my apartment and we would play and it was amazing i loved that series dude it's it's so much fun man i did uh i played quite a bit of now this is a while ago, and of course my brain isn't what it used to be either. My brain has dad bod also, by the way. <laughs> um, but Tiberian Dawn, Red Alert, and I want to say it's like Yuri's Revenge or something like that. Uh, it was, I'm sure, like a Red Alert sequel. But um, they were so much fun, man. Like the 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 uh, the graphics in the game at the time, you know, looked. A little bit different and just really pretty. I remember it was very colorful. You know, you had the red and the blue team and, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just, uh, it was an awesome game. A ton of fun. There were all kinds of, you know, different types of units and vehicles and soldiers that you could put out there. It was uh, a ton of fun. And I'm really excited to, hopefully they'll release uh, release them at a reasonable price uh, so that I potentially introduce my kids to that, man. It's, It's a ton of fun. 
What do you think about the shift as far as EA goes as a, a publisher just kind of announcing that, you know, there's no microtransactions? Because, I mean, in a red alert, in a, in a, a remaster, mm-hmm. there's no room for microtransactions whatsoever. Right. But they, but they went ahead and put in the announcement. This is on the EA.com yeah. uh, on their new section. And, you know, but but they're trying to emphasize something. And, and I think that they're just looking to build, rebuild like a goodwill and trust yes. with their community again, because they lost so much of that lately. Well, listen, you say that uh, there's no room for microtransactions in a remaster. Don't uh, <laughs> don't tell Activision that, because uh, <laughs> lest we forget uh, modern uh, warfare, right? Oh, my um, goodness. Yeah, man. I mean, I, it just doesn't make any sense that you're, you're re-releasing a game that did not have that as part of the original product and you're inserting them into the, the remaster. It just, it's pure greed, man. Um, so yeah, I'm really happy that, uh, awesome. and you know what, yeah. when you do stuff like that, if you throw in some cosmetic stuff, I'm sure people would be fine throwing mm-hmm. a few bucks their way, but not for stuff that's already, uh, that was already a part of the game. Yeah. Well, speaking about greed, Warframe has a new expansion coming out. Yeah. Okay, that, that wasn't a good transition. No. Was... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, actually, Unless it Warframe was like an is... expansion about greed. Yeah. No, Warframe's great for uh digital digital extremes. They're mm-hmm. they're beloved for the way they handle microtransactions, right? Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah, and I think that even even with the Command and Conquer thing, like I think that EA more than anything else knows that certain buzzwords are extremely unpalpable. Mm-hmm. And yeah. just like you have mentioned, Digital Extremes is a company that's managed to really be in the good graces of a lot of their user base and just even seen generally across the gaming space as being a really friendly developer that understands their community and is listening to them. And yeah. that goodwill goes a long way. And I think that what EA is doing, even in that announcement, like you said, is just to focus on, hey, we we hear you. We're not doing this. Just rest easy and know that you'll be able to enjoy the game and play it like you remember. So yeah. I think that's a that's a, that's a big deal just to and I think that's the purpose of it. Not that they would have done it anyway, but just so that everybody knows, yeah. hey, this is where we're at on it. To, like you said, try to build that goodwill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And some of the original developers from like Westwood and stuff like that's like a name I've not heard in years are going to remaster this. Mm hmm. So it's it's pretty awesome, but dude, yeah. Warframe man, what do you mm-hmm. got, Joe? Yeah, I got I got uh, some news for you, man. Warframe Fortuna came out on PC this week, and they'd been talking about how it was going to be soon, 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 and they finally got it out on the PC, and they've said console release soon, and kind of elaborated on that a little bit on their Friday uh, dev stream, and essentially said that what they're planning to do is that because of their inability to essentially push patches through cert as quickly as they like, they can't, they can't give as many of the hot fixes as they would need to kind of put out a robust and complete and stable package that they would feel comfortable with. And so what they've done is on PC, they kind of put out the, the, the game that, or the big update. And then as issues arise, they can hot fix those things extremely quickly. And then once they feel like they have a stable build, 
then they begin processing that and putting it through cert because they're just not allowed to push as many patches as they would feel comfortable in order to make the experience what they would what they would want and what would be up to their quality standards. Mm-hmm. So console release they said would be at the before the end of the year, but it will be probably another month or so. That me reading between the lines. Yeah. Right. Saying that. Dude, what a contrast between Bethesda's Fallout 76 and how Digital Extremes is handling Fortuna. Mm-hmm. I think that is just a huge contrast and it speaks volumes for the kind of company Digital Extremes is. Yeah. Well, yeah, no. Oh, They've ahead, done Joe. a phenomenal job mm-hmm. just with, yeah. you know, putting out their product and being very focused on, we want to create this as the best product we can. And even in the, in the stream on Friday, they had to give sad news about Melee 3.0, which is something they've been speaking out with the community saying that would be delayed until the next year because they aren't able to get all the moving pieces together with the mm-hmm. work that they've been doing on Fortuna and even just explaining specifically why they can't do it within the timeline that they had originally hoped for. I think is important and and goes a long way. Just Mm -hmm. that communication being there and people knowing that if they say something, that's, that's the reality. There's no PR company that's like sifting through what they're saying and saying, well, you can say this, but you can't say this. They're, they're able to just communicate and you kind of feel for a lot of the developers because I'm sure that there's no shortage of passionate creatives at any of these companies that would love to get a chance to come out and just tell their communities these things, but they're constrained by the, the companies that are, you know, paying their, their, uh, their salaries Mm -hmm. and the wishes that those corporate entities have, which makes sense, you know, but uh, it's it's refreshing to kind of get to hear from Digital Extremes and, and have them be a part of, of that kind of process. But they have so much coming out with Fortuna. It's exciting. I'm looking forward to finally getting my hands on it on Xbox, but it'll be, like I said, probably another month or so. And as far as what is out for PC, they've got their new uh, open world map, correct? Yeah, I'll read, I'll read the, uh, the, the print or the, what do you call it? The Blitz. thing. I'll read the thing. <laughs> read the thing. Yeah, I think this is from their uh, their website. Yeah, it says, Welcome to Venus. Beneath the sludge and snow of this open landscape lives the neon city of Fortuna. It looks like something out of like Blade Runner, something from the 80s. It's pretty cool. Really nice. Home of the Solaris United. Barter for supplies. Build your own modular gun and then grab a hoverboard and ride out over the mountains and coolant rivers of the Orb Vallis. So that's what you're doing. So you're going to build your own modular gun, grab a hoverboard and ride out over the mountains and and the coolant rivers of the Orb Vallis. The Orb Vallis is the new open world section. There's new factions in the Solaris United mm-hmm. to kind of work with and, and you know, to gain reputation with and mm-hmm. to work, you know, towards certain ends. There's new weapon customizations uh, in kit guns, new pet building system, and a new hoverboard. So there's all kinds of features with that. And there's even more things than just are here. One of the cool things they also mentioned in the stream is that over the next few weeks, even on PC, they'll be kind of rolling out the second half of Fortuna. They said that sometimes when they release major content updates, the community just devours it. And Mm -hmm. then they kind of look at digital extremes and say, is that all there is? And Mm -hmm. they kind of look at each other saying, oh, well, that's all we made you, you know, you just ate it so fast. (laughs) And so they, they have actually sectioned off an entire half of the expansion, and that has not been released yet. And they said that in the in the coming weeks, they'll be revealing and unveiling what that content is. But that's like in the pipeline coming to them before the end of the year on PC, which is really cool. Super cool, man. I'm excited about that. Too bad Manny can't play. Yeah, it, it is such an attractive package. The whole world, the whole mm. all the systems. 
I like it. And I think I would play it a lot, but I just, uh, it, it just causes these motion sickness issues for me. And I just, I cannot, I yeah. just cannot do it. We so Can wish you could join us, Manny. I know, Manny. It's maybe a ton someday of fun. you will go, you'll get over it. Or maybe you could just like take Dramamine or something. <laughs> Dude, I do. I have it, I have it in my drawer, man. I take it sometimes and dose him up. Doesn't always help. Oh man. You need something stronger. There you go. Some whiskey. <laughs> well, what we else have, we got, Manny? Hey, we have a, a pretty cool, crazy news story about Sony. Mm. Um, if you haven't heard earlier this week, Sony announced that they are not going to be at E3 2019, Boo. which is which is really crazy. Mm-hmm. E3 has been going on for the last 24 years, and Sony has been there from the very beginning. So this is the very first time where they're skipping out and uh, they have the release a statement through uh, GameSpot.com where it says, as the industry evolves, Sony Interactive Entertainment continues to look for innovative opportunities to engage the community. The company told Game Informer in a statement, PlayStation fans mean the world to us and we always want to, excuse me, we always want to innovate, think differently and experiment with new ways to delight gamers. As a result, we have decided not to participate in E3 in 2019. We're exploring new and familiar ways to engage our community in 2019 and cannot wait to share our plans with you. This is really interesting because if you kind of look at how things are going, we know Xbox has been building their hype for the next generation of consoles since uh, E3 earlier this year. And PlayStation... I almost had the sense that they were not wanting to release a new console in 2020. I kind of felt like they had enough momentum to take them even to 2021 mm-hmm. and they could either kind of sit back and let Xbox kind of take their swing at this. But it looks like in my opinion, like they just canceled also their PSX, which is supposed to start in December that's canceled as well. So we're going from one E3 without any major Sony conference all the way up to past E3. So this is what I think, and this is kind of a, a common thinking right now as well, is that they're just going to put all their announcements for their new console and all the games that go along with that generation in their own uh, PSX like later in 2019. I think they're just going to do their own convention where it's just Sony, mm-hmm. but, but that's what I think. But what do you guys think about what this means for, for E3 and what, uh, because I mean, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. They, they were huge at E3. Yeah. I would, I think it's interesting. I'm, I'm really curious to hear what they end up doing with kind of this opportunity. Like, I think it is interesting that they've chosen to cancel these things. And even their showing this last year was very bizarre. Like Microsoft and Sony were obviously going in opposite directions from their conferences this last year. Mm-hmm. Sony showed like a dozen games and it was like a really pretentious kind of weird uh, setup in, in this strange. tent and it yeah. was artsy and mm-hmm. they barely showed anything. And all of the games they showed were like over a year out with mm-hmm. no release dates. No, like they didn't do anything with that kind of stuff. And it was really interesting because Microsoft was like, game, 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 game. Mm-hmm. These are all coming right. out this year. Exclusive. These are all coming out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> these are the exclusive. Like that was their, their whole mantra. And, and we're buying all these developers. <laughs> yeah. These no, companies. like that, but that's the whole thing. Like they, yeah. their focus was 
here's a ton of games that you can play right now. Mm-hmm. Here's our services that we're giving you. And here's the future. Yeah. And that, that was what they were pitching. And I felt like Sony is kind of, I feel like they're kind of moving into a level of passivity because they are dominating so significantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast earlier this week and uh, PlayStation now, which is their streaming. It's TV it's service, their, right? Well, it's not their TV service. It's their streaming video game service. Their game service. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah it's right, like for right. you yeah. rent or I don't know exactly how it works, but it's, it's the stuff that they developed similar to, and I think it's supposed to be a competitor to something like game pass mm-hmm. and game pass though, is significantly more robust, includes any exclusive day and date and is, I think it's even, it might be, it might even be cheaper. And there are more people that have a PlayStation Now subscription than that have a Game Pass subscription, which blew me away. Mm. Um, that doesn't make any sense to me. Looking right. at the two services, what Microsoft has offered, I believe, is a significantly superior service. Mm-hmm. And yet the PlayStation Now has more. And the reason is because there are just so many more PlayStations, PlayStations. that have yeah. been sold. Mm-hmm. And so I think that what you may be seeing is very similar to Sony's attitude after the PlayStation 2. They kind of, they kind of perceived themselves to be way ahead of the pack, and they stopped engaging with their fans and mm-hmm. with their community in a meaningful way. They started thinking of themselves as, well, of course everyone will buy a PS3. It doesn't matter if it's five or six hundred dollars. You'll get a second job for it. Those are things they said. They they had this level of arrogance, mm-hmm. and it was similar, I think, to the type of arrogance that you saw from Microsoft this last time around, as they were coming off of what was an incredible success in the Xbox 360. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wonder if this is just another sign, another part in the path that we see Sony taking where they are, they're way ahead and they know it mm-hmm. and they're not afraid to kind of flaunt it. And this may be one of those things where like, yeah, we don't need a three. We don't need it. Dude, how many E threes did Xbox do where they didn't really have anything to announce, but they yeah. made a show of it. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, if Sony, Sony, they canceled PSX because they didn't really, they said they didn't really have anything to show. So yeah. I, I understand that, but not showing up to E3, I think is a much bigger deal. And I think, I think it's a mistake. Mistake. Yeah. I mean, it feels like one to me, certainly just because they, they're, they're, it, you have to plan for the future, right? And if, if you let Microsoft gain ground on you like this and they're gaining ground, and then you step aside and basically give Microsoft the floor again to, you know, showcase or announce or, you know what I mean? Whatever, yeah. whatever they have cooking. They have so many studios now. How many, how many ideas are happening, right? Like, uh, how many, how many potential games are, are, you know, in the works right now? Their streaming service, or, or I'm sorry, not their streaming service, but their, um, you know, their, their potential new streaming console. Yeah, that they're trying to, yeah. I mean, there's so many things that's so exciting. And unless mm-hmm. uh, Sony is, is sort of keeping their cards close to the vest for some just ridiculous announcement, you know, just to really crush Microsoft. There I don't was know. A, uh, another news story that came out this week, and it is a, a rumor, but it's from Therat.com. And they're the ones that started the whole Scarlet thing, mm-hmm. where uh, Xbox may be releasing a, an Xbox next year that has no disk drive, mm. which is pretty interesting because people that are going to buy that only use digital games, right? 
And along with this rumor, he also reported that if right. you go to like a Microsoft store, a participating retailer, you can turn in your old disc games and just get a digital code. Jeez. So you lose nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. See, that second part is if that happens, I mean, it falls in line with what Microsoft's already been doing. Like the way they've engineered backwards compatibility, like yeah. as a, as a, just a note, once again, mm-hmm. PlayStation still has no backwards comp- compatibility. You I can know. buy wow. a few of the old games, but yeah. you can't even buy all of them. You can rent some of them on PlayStation now, but you can't buy them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's insane. Yeah. And I think this all speaks to, like you said, if you give the floor to Microsoft, you're asking, you know, it's almost like they don't think, and I don't know, I don't know if this is the, the, um, if this is what is behind it, but it's almost like they just don't think that Microsoft could do anything to touch them. Yeah. And that is a very dangerous attitude. Yeah. And one that I think has been proven to get you in a lot of trouble, whether it was Nintendo that did it yeah. or Sony that did it or Microsoft that did it in the, in the past. Mm-hmm. I think that attitude will come to, to bite you. Well, time will tell, right? It will. Yeah. As soon as Sony posted this, Phil Spencer, he said uh, on Twitter, a lot to share with fans at E3 2019, always a high point of the year to witness the industry's creativity and the energy of the community. Sony's tossing up them soft pitches and (laughs) Microsoft (laughs) is just swinging away, man. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. You know, I think by the end of 2019, right. And I think we're going to look back at Sony I, I think E3 will be a mistake, but I definitely believe Sony will will definitely uh, show us some some. Uh, I think they'll show us just a monster of a console with the PlayStation Five mm-hmm. and some really good games to go along with it. Yeah, but, definitely. But you got to stay. You got to stay with your fans. You got to keep your community involved and keep them engaged, or else you're gonna lose them. For sure. Let's jump into the main topic, guys. What? Yeah, for the rest of the show, we're just going to go over... Th- this is a huge list. The Game Awards, mm-hmm. they are taking place next month, but the nominations just got posted, and you could actually go to thegameawards.com and place your votes, people. So there are a ton of categories, like way more than we're going to cover. So we just highlighted a few of them. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about what we think, and that'll be the show, guys. All right. All right, all right. What's the guy's name from uh, from Gambit? Oh, the, uh, the Drifter. The Drifter. The drifter yeah, and yeah. the, in the uh, just to quote the Drifter. All right, all right, all right. Here we go. Okay, dude, uh, he's the best. I love the Drifter. So he is much. awesome. <laughs> he's really good, especially when you clear the uh, the opposite team. He's he's he gets so excited. Yeah, way better than Shax. <laughs> oh, he's uh, he's wonderful. Yeah. Anyway, let's I'd go. Like to let's have do it for dinner. All right, here we go. The first. <laughs> well, speaking of big. dinner too, have you heard him? Ha, What's that? What's that? Have you heard him? Have you heard him say that uh, when you're starting, sometimes he'll say something really creepy about eating cabal because uh, he no. does have a line about that. He basically says, "Yeah, the cabal they're they're big, but it's not fat. It's muscle, really chewy to eat." <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, he's nice. Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> Some cabal tacos. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's just start at the top, man. Game of the year. Got it. Come out swinging right here. There's one, two, three, four, five, six nominations. Mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed Odyssey, mm-hmm. Celeste, God of War, Marvel's Spider-Man, Monster Hunter World, Red Dead Redemption 2. Nice. Wow. What are, we, uh, what are our thoughts? Joe, you've probably played a handful of these games, as, as has Manny. What, what are you guys thinking? Well, I actually have only played... Um, 
Well, I guess I've played three of these games. Mm -hmm. Celeste, Spider-Man, and Monster Hunter. Mm -hmm. And Monster Hunter, I knew from the time I was, I started it, not going to be my kind of game. Yeah. So I feel like I didn't love it, but I totally understand why. I know you guys really dug into it mm -hmm. and loved it. Mm -hmm. um, I've played about two hours of Spider-Man. And I am more than happy to let that just sit on my shelf for yeah. a while. Yeah. I didn't, I did not love it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I don't know when I will pick it back up again. Mm -hmm. I just am not really inclined. It seems like it's a competently made game, but I'm just not interested in it. Right. Celeste, however, mm -hmm. I beat very quickly after getting it. I absolutely adore it. It's mm -hmm. one of my favorite games this year, and I cannot. I don't have enough good things to say about it, mm -hmm. whether it's, I don't know if you guys are familiar with what Celeste is. Mm -hmm. What kind of game is Celeste, Joe? Why would it be on this list? So Celeste is the second game, I believe, made by a small independent studio that originally made a game called Towerfall back, I think, four years ago. And I adored this game. It's a, it's like a... It's it's a game where you're an archer and it's a 2D game mm -hmm. and you kind of jump around. It's it feels like Smash Brothers, but it's a one hit kill game. Mm. And so you either jump on someone's head like in Mario and, or you hit him with an arrow and you have limited amounts of arrows and you can pick them up off the field if you miss. So that's that's Towerfall. It's a really fun game. It's a great couch party game. And I was really looking forward to playing this. But one of the things they said was, well, we took our jumping kind of technology and our engine. And instead of making these stages where you could fight with your friends, we decided to make a single player story based platformer. And I thought that's kind of a, a really weird application for this. But what they created was a story about a girl who is dealing with these inner demons as she seeks to climb this mountain, a, a real mountain, but one that is really kind of a metaphor for her learning to overcome her struggles, whether it's with depression or just with life. And the way that they present it really does hit on some of these issues on a really deep level. So the writing and the story are incredibly awesome. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the art, the, like the pixel art that they use mm -hmm. and the 2d kind of platforming stuff, the art is really brilliant and it's really evocative and the 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 music is absolutely brilliant and the platforming itself is incredibly hard mm -hmm. but very very good mm -hmm. and it works on kind of a it's a very quick like you die and then you're immediately respawned at the beginning of that area and they make the puzzles to the point where every time you die it's because you made a mistake and you have to string together a series of combos like you have essentially a jump a dash a wall hang and you can kind of wall jump from place to place. And they kind of mix and match those things. And each stage has a unique mechanic that they add into your dash, whether it's to give you a second dash or to let you, cl if you cling on a wall, it creates a little growth that you can't jump back to that same area or things like that. And so you're constantly dying and repeating. It actually keeps track of your deaths as well. So there were, I had, I think I had like over a thousand deaths when oh I finished my God, the game. <laughs> so it's, it's punishing. Like it's <laughs> yeah. hard. It is yeah, a hard yeah. game. But when you finish it, like you get a sense of satisfaction and the storyline that they weave in makes it even you know, just all the better. And mm -hmm. so it really is just top to bottom, an incredible game. Mm -hmm. I think it kind of came out of left field for a lot of people. IGN gave it a 10. And so it was widely regarded by the industry as being this exceptional product. Yeah. And it's interesting to see it next yeah. to games like God of War and Spider-Man mm -hmm. because yeah. it's very different. I think it got a 91 different. on Metacritic. 
right? Yeah, it's it, it's it's interesting to me that it is sitting next to these games, but I think it is yeah. it definitely deserves it. Yeah, I love the more indie stuff, so this is like has been a front runner for me for the entire year. I've loved this game, and it's a good sort of underdog. Well, in quotes, underdog game to to root for, right? Because it isn't this massive, uh, you know, like millions of dollars people, in production. Right? Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's like only a small made by a few 2D side scrolling yeah. adventure game with an incredible story. And so, yeah, I mean, I think critically, it has been absolutely well received. I know you couldn't stop gushing about it. I feel like Archimedes also was another one who. Uh, really enjoyed that game, but uh, but yeah, dude. I mean, uh, it, it's kind of cool to see that, right? To see such a small game go up and uh, against these, I mean, heavy heavyweights, really. And I, it's safe to say that the three of us are probably uh, thinking God of War is going to win, just because it seems like that game was so well received as well. But but it would be cool, I think, to see Celeste win, just just for because of what it stands for, you know. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I tend to suspect that God of War is going to win as well. The biggest criticisms I'm hearing about Red Dead right now mm-hmm. are that the gameplay is somewhat lacking, although the open world is captivating and it does something really exceptional. Yeah. So I could see either of those two winning it. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be out of out of this list, Andy, what would be your favorite game out of this list of six? <sighs> and which ones have you played? Well, I you know, I've I have played a little bit of God of War. And uh, not nearly enough, but I, I gotta say that that game, just even the intro, it is a really compelling story, right? Like you really kind of invest yourself in, you know, what's happening to uh, Kratos, and you know he's got his son with him, and, and like you know I'm as a story, as far as the story goes, like any father son kind of bonding story really kind of pulls at my heartstrings, right? Because I have two boys, mm-hmm. um, so I you know I really enjoyed that game. Monster Hunter was a ton of fun. I feel like what what hamstrings that game though is just the level of difficulty, right? Like you said, Manny and I put a good amount of time into that. But if I went back to that, and I put like four hundred hours into that game, if I went back to that game right now, it would be like starting all over again from scratch. That's how like it's such a timing based game. It's so difficult in the sort of you know, the dance that you do with the monster, right? You have to, it's timing. It's sort of reading the tells that the monster's sort of um, uh, telegraphing so that you can dodge or or counter or whatever, you know? So I think that kind of hamstrings that game. Spider-Man, to be honest, surprises me that it's on this list. I have not played that game. I have heard good things about it, but I don't know. To me, that one is a little bit out of left field. How do you, how, what do you think, Manny? What, what's your sense of the list? Well, games like Spider-Man, they don't appeal to me. And I think it's because of <clears throat> just growing up without comic books or, or even like, I grew up really poor. So a lot of these things that people grew up with, I, I didn't have, like uh, I had a neighbor that had a Nintendo mm-hmm. and that was basically the extent of my gaming when I was very young. So when I, a you young know, Manny, when I was a young Manny, <laughs> but Spider-Man games like that, I, I kind of, I can see the appeal to certain people and, and the, the gameplay looks, it looks good. It looks fun, but it's like that, that Pokemon movie. Like, I'm like, people are going crazy and I'm like, I just don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. Hmm. 
But, you know, Monster Hunter World, I think that what's special about that game is kind of the things that you said, Andy, that the fact that it is hard and difficult and it's kind of like uh, each boss fight is almost like a puzzle or, mm-hmm. or, you know, you have to solve it as a problem. Yeah. So true. it's throwing all these things to you and it's, it's action combat, but the animations are delayed and everything you do takes time. So you actually have to plan your attacks well. And if you don't do a good job, you're going to die. Yeah. You know, and it's not action combat in the same way as like a Diablo or something like that, where that, that action is just this fast pace where you just go, mm-hmm. go, go attack after attack. Mm-hmm. You have to plan it all out. Yeah. And I think that's what makes Monster Hunter, that that's what gives it its longevity, I think, mm-hmm. because you want to min max, you want to get the right, um, the right talents and everything. And you want to exploit the game so you can get gems that you shouldn't have. Whoa, whoa, that- <laughs> whoa. That's an accusation, Manny. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it is. Uh, it, it's a game with a really long tail that you could yeah. uh, just invest a lot of time into. But mm-hmm. I can definitely see why it's here. Yeah. As as far as as far as everything else, Assassin's Creed Odyssey was was fantastic. It was just so much fun. You know, game of the year, you're choosing from whatever came out that year, mm-hmm. you know, but it's not, you're not choosing the perfect game, right? Right. Yeah, so yeah. it's just the best out of what's here. And um, honestly, it's, th- this one is probably the hardest one for me because I, I wouldn't pick any of these games and I've mm. played, I've played Monster Hunter. I played Red Dead. I played Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I didn't play these other games. Uh, God of War, it's an exclusive title. So is, so is uh, Spider-Man. So I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, I can't even, I don't have access to those games, mm-hmm. you know, Celeste, there's no excuse. I can, I can definitely play that. Mm-hmm. So it, out of curiosity, then mm-hmm. what would, what, if you were just choosing from this list, what game would you choose to be the game of the year? And what game do you think is going to win? What I would choose out of, out of these based on, my personal game time or what I have enjoyed from these games, I would probably say monster hunter world. Honestly, for me, I think Mm -hmm. that was for me, it was a better experience than red dead. It was a better experience than assassin's creed. It's, it's a toss up in my mind between God of war and red dead. Uh huh. Because like what, what's going to win. Yes. Yeah. For as what's going to win. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of my, that's how I would lean in terms of what I think might win. And Andy, which one did you say is your? You would say Monster Hunter is probably your favorite this year. Uh, of of well, of these six of the six, it's certainly the one I've spent the most time in. Absolutely, but as far as what I would give the award to, I man, I think just for what it would represent for us as gamers, okay, regardless of the game that we play, I think I would. I'm rooting for Celeste, um, but I think that God of War is going to win. That's exactly how I feel. Yeah. I would pick Celeste for my favorite. That's my favorite of these six. Yeah. But God of War is what I think will probably win. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of my sense. Just based on the what people have said about it, I have not played it yet. Um, I would like to play it. But uh, from everything I've heard, that's the one I think will probably win. And it mm-hmm. seems like deservedly so, which is yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, let's jump down to best ongoing game. Yeah, I like the name of this category a lot. Like they've tried to capture, I think, this idea previous in previous years i don't think they've done it well and i think this idea of a game that is consistently receiving updates yeah i think i I love the idea that this category has become something so significant in games 
as to recognize games that do this excellently. Mm-hmm. We have mm-hmm. Destiny 2, Forsaken. We have mm-hmm. Fortnite, No Man's Sky, Overwatch, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege. Mm-hmm. And the winner is, I don't know. What do you guys think about these games? Well, honestly, my sense of it is that Fortnite is probably going to take it just because of the overwhelming commercial success of that game. Although, to parrot a little bit of what uh, Lurson said, and and by the way, you know, Lurson, we appreciate the email uh, that you sent in. We did take the time to read it, and so hopefully we're hitting on your picks here. Um, But Lurson mentioned in his email that as far, and he spent a lot of time in that game, but as far as like the updates that happen in the game, I mean, it's a single map. They do update the map. They make like small tweaks to the map is is what um, he made it sound like. But it's not like they're putting out multiple maps. The as far as the um, you know the the new stuff that they put in there is just cosmetic. So there's not new mechanics or new you know guns or, or so, only so much you can do with a battle royale that, game. Yeah, type right? of game. I mean, it's right. it's a game mode. So, I, I mean, I don't think that it deserves it, but I think because of the commercial success and what that game sort of has done over the past year, I think that's the game that's going to win. Obviously, for me, I mean, as far as time invested, Destiny 2, although it's been a, a point of contention for that community and then just, just in general, right? It's Activision involvement and all this other stuff. Um, you know, it's kind of had a, a bumpy road. Um, but that's the game that I've spent the most time in where it is right now is obviously a much better place than where it was. Joe, I'm sure feels the same way, but honestly, um, and I think Joe, you're going to pick up on this a little bit. I'm really surprised that Warframe didn't get included in this because that's who I think deserves the award in my mind. Yeah. We, we talked about this a little bit Mm -hmm. earlier when we were just kind of texting, uh, in our chat and, my sense of this, I mean, I wouldn't put Overwatch or Rainbow Six on it, but I understand that those still have very, mm-hmm. very active competitive bases. I think the reason why these five are the ones really has more to do with significant releases or significant uh, updates that change the idea of the game. It's like Fortnite, like we've mentioned before, is maybe it's not the most ongoing game, mm-hmm. but it's the best one, mm-hmm. according to a lot of people. Right. I mean... I, mm-hmm. I'm a youth pastor and I work with teens and let me tell you, all they talk about is Fortnite. Yeah. And it's unbelievable to me how ubiquitous that game has become. Absolutely. Like it really has been a phenomenon. But I can understand why No Man's Sky and Destiny Two as more PvE experiences would take it as a nomination other than Warframe. Mm-hmm. Because Warframe kind of this year we had the sacrifice quest lines. Mm-hmm. And those are just kind of more of the same. Like, it didn't really reinvent the wheel for Warframe. Warframe had two incredibly great years before this Mm -hmm. in the cinematic story quests Mm -hmm. that were added in, I believe, 2015. And then in 2016, or maybe I have my years wrong, they had the ongoing story quests, and then they had Planes of Eidolon. Mm -hmm. I don't think this year was a really groundbreaking year for Warframe. It was Mm -hmm. just a lot more of the same, which Mm -hmm. is to say really good content, released quickly with good community involvement. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that theirs really shook things up. Whereas No Man's Sky, like if you remember when Next came out, which was earlier this year, at the beginning of the year, um, that was when they added true multiplayer to No Man's Sky. And people were coming out of the woodwork to play it and loved it. 
mm-hmm. for the first time mm-hmm. after this game was like panned for two years and ridiculed for being a shell of what most people thought that it had been promised and what it really had been promised to be. And so for it to kind of make it there, you know, I, I think is something remarkable. And I think just as we've mentioned before with Destiny 2, you know, I love Destiny 2 mm-hmm. and I've loved it the whole time. Yeah. But it has had a really rocky road. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the people I see on my friends list playing Destiny 2, I feel like I can't believe they're even logged into it mm-hmm. because they so strongly disliked the direction that the game took in the first year of Destiny 2. Yeah. And for Forsaken to recapture even any of those people, right. much less a majority of those people, mm-hmm. is a startling change. Right. And so I, I think that those two games deserve to be on it. I think Warframe deserves a spot just like any of these other ones do. But I can understand I can understand why it might not have received right. the nomination because it didn't change things up dramatically enough. And as we mentioned earlier in the show, Fortuna just came out like a couple days ago. Right. And they may they may not have had access to that content right. in order to judge it and place it on this list. Well, I think, you know, if you're gonna throw games like Overwatch and Rainbow Six Siege and the amount of updates that those games have had and you know, certainly there there should have been space for Warframe. And real quick, just to th- uh, throw Lurson's quote out there, because this was his pick for best ongoing game, Warframe, even though it's not nominated. Uh, he says that uh, he picks Warframe for its, quote, uh, for its deep lore, fun gameplay loop, and almost constant updates and content. But as you pointed out, Joe, maybe those updates and content just aren't big enough for the folks picking this game, uh, these games to, you know, to put on this list. So, yeah, well, and I I hope that Warframe continues to gain momentum Mm -hmm. and steam and that the things that they've invested in this year will pay out in more notoriety and more, you know, renown for their, for their title and for their efforts. Yeah. I, you know, we played a ton of Warframe this year. Oh yeah. Warframe was one of the games I played the most this year. I never really had dug into it very deeply beforehand and uh, this year I spent a whole lot of time in it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wish nothing but the best for digital extremes. And I, I think that if their trajectory continues, Warframe still got a long way to go um, in, in terms of I think it's yeah. going to continue to be a bigger and bigger game. They broke their concurrent player record when Fortuna released. I think they had 125,000 concurrent players on Steam. So, you know, kudos to them. Yeah. Ho- wish them nothing but the best. But I can, like I said, I can understand why it wouldn't have been included in this nomination and hopefully next year we see it. The people in games, media journalism, they're putting these lists together, right? They sent them and they said, you know, you have to have played at least three of these games uh, in order to nominate them. So they're Mm -hmm. playing these popular titles and that's what we see. That's the common theme with every single nomination here Mm -hmm. for every category. These are all popular games. And I think for best ongoing Mm -hmm. game, like for my pick, something that isn't here and probably would never be here is path of exile. Path mm. of Exile is an amazing game. Just mm. this last year in 2018, they had the Abyss League. That was actually the end of 2017, and it went into Feb- all the way up to February. They had the Bestiary League, um, the Incursion League, the Delve League, and they just announced their uh, Betrayal League. Mm-hmm. So what a league is, is that it's an entire expansion, basically, where they, they bring in all these new systems, and, and they just, it's just a game refresh, a huge amount of content. And they're doing it. They're supporting their game better than any other game studio that I've ever seen as far as volume of content mm-hmm. and quality as well, because they're very fast to react to community feedback and to change things to either 
you know, whether that's balancing or, or, or however, and they're constantly making their game better and better and better with every league. And it's extremely popular. It's a very mm -hmm. popular game, but it's, it's, it's a niche game. You know, it is an yeah. action RPG, right? you know, and, and I don't think I would ever see an action RPG on, on uh, one of these lists, you know? All right. We are quickly running out of time. All right. So let's, let's do it, man. Let us continue. We've got a few more things to talk about. Uh, quickly, let's talk about mm -hmm. best audio design. Mm -hmm. I think game audio is extremely important. Like anybody will tell you that. Mm -hmm. And some of the best experiences that I had that I've had in gaming are because of the sound, mm -hmm. because of the audio, because of the music. Mm -hmm. And some of the best sounds that I've ever heard is in, are in games like World of Warcraft and stuff, where it's you know you just have just this this huge atmosphere just made by this music but these games are doing it really well like my mm -hmm. boys are playing forza horizon 4 they're on the list along with call of duty black ops god of war uh spider-man and red dead redemption 2 mm -hmm. really great sound larson he actually wrote he he actually had a couple ideas um but just quickly he thought you know, Battlefield Five should have been nominated, but you know, there's deadlines. It can't yeah. be because of when it was released. Right. But mm -hmm. I completely understand where he's coming from because the sound is incredible. It mm -hmm. makes you feel like you're there, mm -hmm. right? And the sound guys—they're recording uh, actual gunfire. They're recording actual like planes and, and helicopters and and everything that you would expect. Not helicopters, but mm -hmm. you know, the, and explosions and stuff. Just such extreme attention to detail. He says, yeah. Mm -hmm. for these sounds right do you guys uh like what are your thoughts on sound design and what games have impacted you the most as far as sound goes i i still continue to be amazed at destiny 2's sound design mm -hmm. um i think that whether it's the way the weapons sound whether it's the you know the musical score how those things are are balanced together the futuristic kind of laser guns and sound like there's something special about the sound design there. And I think that with any of these games, like most of the time you don't think about good audio design yeah. unless you think about bad audio design, like when it sticks out, like when you notice it, that's usually when it's bad. And so I feel like it's kind of hard sometimes to put your, your, your finger on really good audio design because it just makes the game better mm -hmm. without really drawing attention to itself. So I don't know what I would pick from this. I, I think that all of these seem like they've done yeah. a really great job with this. I do want to play Forza and God of War, you know, what we've already mentioned. Um, but I, I think that the best kind of audio design is the one that you don't notice because it is just so, so staggeringly, mm -hmm. like it just enhances your, your experience on its own. Right. And you don't recognize that that's what's mm -hmm. making it feel better as a game but yeah. i don't know well i'll tell you from from the games that are on the list black ops 4 the the i will say that that one is one of the games where sound has really integrated itself in my gameplay i know it, that that's the case in really all shooters right that's why they have perks on there like you know ninja and all that stuff so that you know you're quieter when you run around and all that stuff but mm -hmm. Uh, Black Ops 4, man, like, especially when we're playing Blackout, you really get a sense of where the gunfire is coming from, especially if you've got, you know, a good set of headphones on. Um, so it really stands out there. I, my sense is the Forza Horizon, because of the type of game it is, I'm sure is probably the front runner, one of the front runners. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, I can see that. But just to pair it off of what Lurson threw in there, when you ask Manny which mm -hmm. which game really sucked me in, 
no game that I've played has done it better than BF5, man. The, the sound quality in that game. And I and I realized that they probably were outside of the, the window to yeah. get nominated. Yeah, they definitely were. Oh, my God, bro. Like, that game, when you're in there and just running around, like, I feel like I can almost feel the cold of running it through the snow the sort of that sense of urgency from just bullets zipping by your head explosions going on all around you the the um the the buildings crumbling like it really sucks you into the environment man and it's such a such an experience man Mm -hmm. uh it honestly honestly i think the sound is what is making me want to buy that game dude (laughs) <laughs> just I mean more than anything really truly yeah. so yeah. Uh, I really I I, great. I second great, yeah. his nomination so hopefully next year we'll see it on yeah. this list <laughs> all right guys we have just a few minutes left any other categories that we want to talk about before we jump on out of here I do want to mention the games for impact category which yes. last year I don't think even the years that they've done it it's been a very special moment it's kind of weird because it's a big award show and they're like you know, celebrating and stuff, but I don't know if I forget which year it was, but one of the years it was uh, about a developer who was telling a very personal story about their, um, one of their loved ones who had died of cancer Mm -hmm. and creating a game to show that experience. And so I have a soft spot in my heart for this category, this idea that you can make games for more than just dollars, more than even just creating to create something that's, you know, awesome and cool and bombastic, like that you can create something that tells a meaningful story and has an impact on the world. Mm -hmm. And I think Celeste is that game. Um, I, I've not played the other games, but I would be, I'd be amazed if there was a game that had more emotional pack than Celeste did. Nice man. The way that it handles depression, the way that it talks about, um, those kinds of topics, like it's, it's very nuanced. The writing is so good and I would love to see it win that. I, I'm excited to hear even if it's not Celeste, because if it is, I'm going to download that game and play it. Um, <laughs> I, I love nice. this category. I'm glad it exists. And I, I like games that have something to say. Yeah, that's great. As far as uh, me, Manny, for the rest mm-hmm. of the stuff on here, I would say, um, you know, another game that stands out for me, Dead Cells. I love that game. I hope, you know, it's nominated in several places. Uh, you know, I'm rooting for that game. That That's a ton of fun. It's a great game. A wonderful experience. I hope it uh, it does well. Um, I think we'd be remiss not to cover the multiplayer uh, category. Um, COD, you know, yeah, obviously big is, multiplayer people for sure. Well, yeah, uh, Call of Duty, uh, Black Ops Four, I think has done something pretty special um, in what it's recreated in in you know its blackout. Uh, mode uh, but not just that right it's got zombies it's it's basically three games in one which is amazing right uh, you know kudos to you know activision we don't root for them much but they have made a wonderful experience i think um you know who knows what uh what bf5 is going to do in the next year probably uh you know hopefully we you know we're rooting for them as well but as far as the games that are on this list i would say uh cod fortnite is probably going to be the winner. Yeah. Uh, and Destiny 2 for me, man, and it's only because I I, I do well in that multiplayer game. Um, <laughs> but that that one's, you know, the other one that I think uh, is a, a, a contender for me. Any, any, look, COD and Destiny 2, either of those two win, I'll be happy. Yeah, see if these yeah. was also nominated. That um, surprises me a little bit. 
Well, that I surprised mean, me a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's supported well. They keep bringing new content and people who love it keep going back to it. So I know it's popular, all but it just didn't have a great start. All 12. Yeah. Actually, it's sold pretty well. So no, I it's, know, it's I a lot I'm more popular. And I, I just right. think it's just us. We just don't play it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if you're out there and you love that game, cool. I'm glad your game got a nod. I didn't like it at all, yeah. but you know, what Me do either. I know? I, I, don't I, like it at all. I never like popular games. <laughs> Anything else, guys? What else do we got? Uh, well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of esports uh, nominees, and yeah. they dis- did send us a message, uh, wanted to talk a little bit about um, some of those categories. Not so much the categories, but uh, Joe, what did he mention? The um, There's a Forbes 3030 celebrities list. Right. And uh, Ninja was on it, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was a player from, I think, League of Legends on it as well. Yeah, which from Team Liquid. He was, uh, yeah, he was just talking about the fact like that, that, like, there continues to be, like, more and more in the minds and you know in the in the, you know in people's vision and people seeing you know these these celebrities from gaming mm-hmm. yeah it seems to be breaking into the mainstream, the mainstream. in a way that it, and gaining acceptance right. in a way that's kind of exciting right uh and as gamers like we're used to kind of being the nerds over in the corner right. you know but it's it's kind of cool that these guys are doing something significant i think you know ninja is a guy where yeah he's making like millions of dollars every month yes you know with what he's doing. And I think it's great that he's channeling that towards positivity and towards really good causes Mm -hmm. uh, from what I can tell. And I think it's awesome that these other people that are maybe outside of gaming, recognizing these excellent, you know, people under 30 are seeing that they're not just a bunch of weirdos playing video games. They actually matter and drawing attention to them. I think just continues to open you know, the, the floodgates for gaming to be something that can be for everyone, right. which is yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Well, Ninja had awesome. his uh, 600,000 um, uh, viewer game session with uh, his his good buddies, uh, Drake and uh, who was? Uh, Juju Smith was on it. Juju Smith plays for the Steelers. Yes. And, yeah, then, yeah. and then it was another rapper on there. I forget who it was. Gosh. Yeah, I don't remember who it was, but. Yeah, it's crazy. Things like that. Things like that is what draws attention to those guys, you know? Go ahead, man. Well, dudes, I think that's a show. Did we squeeze it all in? We squeezed it all in. Joe, didn't you have, you had some some honorable mentions, right? I would like to honorably mention a couple games. When thinking about my favorite games this year that were released this year, one of them escapes the yearly deadline probably, and that is Slay the Spire Mm -hmm. for PC. It's in early access. It was supposed to release this summer, um, but they've just continue to jam the game full of content. They've made the game about twice as big as they had originally promised mm-hmm. because it's gotten, you know, it's just been received so well yeah. and it's such a good game. And the, the basic premise of it, if you're interested, please check it out. It's phenomenal is it is a roguelike dungeon crawler where you do turn-based games or uh, turn-based encounters against enemies and they're randomized each time you play the dungeon and you go in with a deck of cards and it's a deck builder game where every time you beat a floor of the dungeon, you get a new card to add to your deck. And there's three different characters that have their own unique set of like 300 cards a piece that you can then build your deck from. And you go through and fight bosses and all kinds of other things. It's a tremendous game. I can't say enough good about it. They have absolutely packed that thing to the gills with content. And, uh, and I love it. I've been playing it all year. 
And then the other game released this year is called Full Metal Furies. And I feel really bad for this game because they, the developers got stuck in trying to unveil this game kind of sneakily. And they were hoping that the community around their games would get excited and search it out uh, like other developers have. And nobody found it. So they released it and didn't tell anybody, hoping that like a community person would find it and then tell all their friends, and it never happened. Oh, no. Oh, and, no. Yeah, so the, it, it's been <laughs> awful. But they created an incredible game. It's an action RPG that is uh, essentially you bring your characters through. It's called Full Metal Furies. And it's kind of set with this Greek mythology, post-apocalyptic background. And as you move through, it's got like this wonderful sense of humor, and it's once again, a very difficult game, similar to how Celeste is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to fight through different enemies and move through the different stages. And the game is one part action RPG and one part like very difficult, obscure puzzler. And so those two things mixing together is right up my alley. And I absolutely love this game. I 100%ed it, which I rarely, if ever, 100% games. But I, I absolutely adored this game. And um, it's just absolutely tremendous. And then the other games were just Warframe and Awesome Knots, two old games that I have come back to. Awesome Knots is closing up shop this year, which is sad because I really enjoyed it and uh, wish I would have found it when it was back in its heyday. But they are closing up shop on that thing. And it's one that I had a great time with this year. So very cool, man. How yeah, about awesome. you, Manny? You got anything you want to throw out there? Uh, No. Black Ops. I don't. Black ops, black ops, black ops. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm taking a black ops break for some Battlefield right now. Oh, so it's a good game too, man. Yeah, so Fun. far so good. And yeah. um, I'm thinking about uh, jumping back into Path of Exile for their new, their new league coming up here pretty soon. Take me with you, Manny. Get a gaming PC, dude. Stop come right, trying to make come me right spend with me. money. all right that's the show thank you so much everybody for listening to us and if you have any feedback just come on over to gamingadventureclub.com and hit us up right there but joe if anybody wants to come and say hello to you how can they do that well you can find me on xbox my gamer tag is joe the meden and that last name is spelled m-i-e-d-e-n or you can find me on playstation at joe meden or you can find me on Discord, hanging out and lurking at the Gaming Adventure Club or my other stomping ground, the Destiny Reset podcast group. So that's where you find me. I actually threw all my social media away recently, so don't need it. You, you can find me Discord or on video game consoles. I like it. That's pretty much it. There you go. Yeah. You could find Andrew or I at... Uh gamingadventureclub.com slash discord. That's where we're hanging out. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, Joe. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was wonderful to spend time with you guys, and uh, it's it's great to be here. Awesome. So, until next time, have an adventurous week. Take care of each other. I want to go play some last night.